Hello, greetings, salutations, welcome to the podcast that looks back at albums, movies and video games to ask anyone for seconds. I'm your host, Dave. How are we all doing? Are we all good? Podcast Cat is fine. Thanks for asking. This week, let's travel back to the 1960s, grab our leather jackets and slip back our hair as we explore the much maligned sequel to a beloved classic, Grease 2. I think we could all use a little guarantee. All the way action. Let's go. The dancing is back. The fun is back. The nerd is back. They're all together again. Grease is still the word. Grease 2. You'll love it. Rated PG. Starts today at selected theaters in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Check newspapers. After watching the original on TV a few weeks back, I've suddenly realised that I've never actually seen the sequel. In fact, I've never even seen it for sale on its own. Luckily, I have the World Wide Web at my fingertips, and eBay is now a thing. Most importantly, I have too much disposable income. In fact, for the low, low price of £1.94, I'm now the proud owner of this bloody film. It's not the one that I want. In fact, the one that I want is actually a context dump. So let's go together like ramble, 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 ding, 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 dong, dong. Yeah, I regret nothing. In 1978, the original film, Grease, was released onto an unsuspecting public. Itself, being based off of a 1971 stage show of the same name, would go on to become the highest grossing musical film of all time, but also the second best-selling album of the year in the United States by the end of 1978. With a modest budget of $6 million and raking in, as of time of writing and release of this episode, $336.2 million to date, talk would soon turn to a sequel. Grease co-producer Alan Carr had secured a deal with Paramount to get paid $5 million for getting a sequel to the original within three years of the original film's release into production. With that kind of money looming, who the hell wouldn't make a sequel? Patricia Birch, who worked as the choreographer for the original stage play and original movie, was approached to direct. Lead stars Olivia Newton-John, John Travolta, or even the original composers of Jim Jacobs and Warren Casey would not return for the sequel. In fact, there was originally talk of a cameo from Travolta and Newton-John, but it never got past the planning stage. Whether it would have improved the quality of this film is arguable, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Ken Finkelman was approached to write the sequel. In fact, the original proposed sequel was to follow two other characters from the original film, Kinnicky and Rizzo, in a sequel called Summer School. Guess what that was about? Grease 2 was initially proposed as a second film of a four-film and TV series multimedia franchise. However, following the massive failure of the second film, these ideas were abandoned. Supposedly, a script for the third film would be recycled many, many years later and be used by Disney for High School Musical in 2006. I don't really know how true that is, but citation is very much needed. With a budget of nearly double the original $11.2 million, filming commenced in the autumn of 1981 at a real closed-down high school in California, with an incomplete script over 58 days. A 23-year-old, then-unknown Michelle Pfeiffer was cast as Stephanie Zinone, the leader of the New Pink Ladies, in her first starring role, beating out singer Pat Benatar 
Lisa Hartman and Andre McArdle, best known for being the original Annie on Broadway. Timothy Hutton was originally announced as the male lead, but he was then replaced by Maxwell Caulfield after impressing producers in an off-Broadway show. He was cast as Michael Carrington, an English exchange student and cousin of the original film Sandy. Hmm. No returning lead cast, no returning songwriters, the director of the original film isn't returning, and an incomplete script. That, to me, are some huge red flags. Grease 2 was released in June 1982, and it was, unsurprisingly, a critical failure. It opened in 1,250 theatres in the US, and made around $4.5 million in its opening weekend. It clawed its ways to make a grand total of $15 million worldwide, and honestly, I can see why on the surface. Currently, the film has a score of 38% on review website Rotten Tomatoes, and a score of 52 on review aggregator website Metacritics. Roger Ebert, yes, that Roger Ebert, of the Chicago Sun-Times, gave the film a 2 out of 4, stating, This movie just recycles grease, without the stars, without the energy, without the freshness, and without the grease. Ah, <laughs> clever man! Janet Maslin of the New York Times gave the film a 30, stating, Less a sequel than a retread, dizzy and slight, with an even more legible plot than its predecessor had. This time, the story can't even masquerade as an excuse for stringing the songs together. Emma Cochran, from Empire Magazine, has a different view, and gave the film 3 out of 5, stating, Definitely of the so-bad-it's-almost-good genre, this kind of stands the test of time in a camp way, mainly because of the charm of Pfeiffer and Carrington. Well, I guess all we need now is a plot synopsis. Hey, look, it's imdb.com. British student at a 1960s American high school must prove himself to the leader of a girls' gang whose members can only date greasers. With all said and done, I think it is time to ask the question. The question that this whole podcast is named after. Anyone for seconds? Let's join the first time watch now. Right, let's press play on this thing and get going. Paramount, a Gulf Western company. Well, okay. Paramount, did you really know what you were doing with this? So... Okay. Fun fact, I watched the original about two to three weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago at the time of recording, and I really, really enjoyed it after going through a whole spate of not ever wanting to watch it again and I think that is partly due to the fact that do you know what everyone everyone admits that I'm going to admit it I was in a production of Grease when I was much much younger if memory serves I wasn't a t-bird I was uh, Sandy's boyfriend who wasn't Danny like the jock Anybody who knows me, looking at me, knows I cannot play it. I do not look like a jock. I'm nowhere near um, fit enough <laughs> for that. So I went for a whole long period of I never wanted to watch it again because I heard the song so much. I heard the script so much um, and everything else. Yeah. 
But there you go. That's that's another deep dark secret about me that my wonderful podcast audience gets to hear. So so what have we got so far? Um. So we got where Greece has the really iconic opening intro of um the animated intro with I think it's Frankie Valley sings the original Grease is the word song. We've we've literally gone straight into the film here. Um it's Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay. She's a pink lady. Oh 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 my. Um Wow. Uh Okay, um, so, come on you lazy bum, get your butt out of, oh, okay, oh here they come, here come the T-Birds, has to be, it's definitely not a John Travolta lookalike, I promise, with his slick back hair and um, what? Hang on, hang on, hang on. That one's got a fucking sidecar on his little 125 scooter. What? That's ridiculous. Thing is, right, if this is a new school year, are they really going to have T-Birds and Pink Ladies? Because surely that would have been a thing specifically to that year at that school, uh, at that time. Little gangs just because I suppose because it's Greece they've got to go yeah of course they're going to have um, T-Birds and, and, and the pink ladies in it I don't think they should that's stupid oh, I hate this already Do you know what though, to be fair, um, this many people dancing on screen at once, it is a visual spectacle, to be fair. So, <laughs> fun, fun fact, I have got um, subtitles on, watching this, for the, you know, because... I want to get sort of the lyrics and stuff to see how bad or, or good they are. The subtitles don't match what's said on screen. Um. Okay. Right. This is um. This is going to go well. So we've got some connective tissue already with the original one because it looks like they've got some of the teachers. So they've got the original guy who plays Coach Calhoun. It looks like the headmaster as well. Uh, who does the ding dong ding dong? Her little uh, thing as well. Yeah, that's the headmistress, and yeah, so you've got that at least, which you would kind of hope for because if you're doing another school thing, you want some connective tissue to the original film at least. 
I still don't get why they would have pink ladies and T-Birds, but I'm I'm gonna go with it. There's... <laughs> there was just a guy running out the front of the school and he's just literally died through the front window. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Okay. Okay, we've got more connective tissue here. So we've got the T-Birds doing track and field. And is that the Scorpions from the, the original film? The, the rival gang? Why are they... Um, why are the Scorpions... Who are presumably like over 21 or whatever now. Why are they messing around with a group of high school kids? That's, um... That's, that's definitely a worrying thing, but what, whatever. Um... So the other thing I didn't mention as well, actually thinking about it, is recently, within the last kind of 10-15 years, this film has been hailed as like a feminist uh, like a feminist film um, I'm not quite sure why I'm assuming it's because the Michelle Pfeiffer character um, is like the cool one who, who, who says no I don't want to be with no man or I don't want to be no boy and there's more to life than making out and stuff but okay um, we're going to see how this goes but we'll, uh, we'll we'll be the judge of that maybe more importantly we'll see if it passes the Bechdel test which for anyone who doesn't know is uh, you can only pass the Bechdel test if I think it's more than two of your female characters talk to each other uh, about something else aside from the male characters, but we'll um, we'll see. Let's see. Now we're bowling. We're we're bowling because it's the sixties, yeah. Have I said that though? To be fair, I haven't really seen a lot that kind of screams the sixties. Um. Really know. It just all looks very similar to the previous groups. If it's supposed to be like the sixties, there's just not a lot going on. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um So we're at the bowling alley, they're singing a song about bowling and the main hook is we're going to score, we're going to score, we're going to score tonight. We're sitting on the bomb that's going to explode. Let's rock and let's rock and roll. If, if the, the sexual innuendo is already off the chart. Wow, he's got a set of pipes on him. I'm your kingpin, honey, and I'm getting in gear. Hey Johnny, go for that strike, and I might just be your baby tonight. Oh my god, um, it's not subtle. 
I hope the whole film isn't like this. I'm I'm gonna be upset if the whole film is like this. So I hope it isn't. So here's the thing, right? We're about thirty minutes in. Give give or take and all the songs have been really meh. There's been nothing really that's kind of stuck in my head or gone, ha, huh, that's actually a really good song or whatever, in comparison with the original, because by this point, about 30 minutes in, I mean, you'd had uh, Summer Loving, I think you might have been on Grease Lightning, uh, you know, you've had the opening song as well, the Grease is the word, the word that you heard, it's got groove and it's got meaning, believe it or not. But, um, yeah, it just seems all a bit flat. You know what I mean? It's just all a bit... It's nothing to do with the performances, because the performances are fine. It's just the music itself is just a bit... It's just a bit meh, you know? So right now we've currently got Michelle Pfeiffer singing, I'm assuming it's Cool Rider. And this is all right, I suppose. It's not. It's not particularly interesting. It's kind of a plot narrative thing going. Why won't she get with this um, Michael Carrington British student? Well, she wants a bloke with a motorbike. So, okay. But whatever. It's just not interesting. It's really weird because it doesn't feel 60s. This feels really... This feels really 80s. It's alright, it is. It's made in the 80s. This is like 1982. But... A lot of the charm of the original is that the songs in it were kind of like... 1950s kind of style. Um, kind of poppy, poppy, pop, pop stuff. But got a definite kind of you know kind of got like a 50s vibe to it either way but oh my god he's talk singing he he's talk singing Talk singing is not a thing. No. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I feel... I feel really awkward. I hate this. He's... He's talk singing about the life cycle and how flowers... I don't like that. Frenzy chlorophyllous orgy. I don't like this. Oh my god. This is even worse than I thought it was going to be. Put your pollen tube to... Oh! Jesus! Oh 
God, mate, my stamen go was no, 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 no. Oh God, if you could see me right now, I've got my hands on my head. I'm just feeling. No, please don't talk about humans having sex. Please, please don't. Oh. I don't want to do it. I don't want to watch it anymore. He's bought a bike. He's built a bike because he got the money together to buy bits of a bike to build and now he's taken on the the scorpions and they're singing a really really boring unenthusiastic song about who is this guy that's, that's making us look bad on the ride and oh fuck this is terrible this is absolutely terrible there's just nothing in it the songs are just really flat unmemorable except for that reproduction song because that reproduction song was fucking awful i mean the dancing's pretty good but then that's what you get for having a director who was the choreographer on the first film and the fucking stage play it's just really really boring and this film's got the literal horn as well everything is like a sexual innuendo um I mean, I don't think the first the first film had that, but it wasn't as overstated as it is in this. You know, it just feels really weird and out of place, and I just I'm struggling with this. I'm not gonna lie, I'm just bored. You know, I'm just really, really bored. I mean, how how far are we in now? Let's have a look. Fifty three minutes out of one hundred and forty nine minutes. I'm I'm bored. I'm done. Already, I'm just, you know. Let me guess. Michelle Pfeiffer now is going to fall for the guy with the bike. Who is Maxwell Caulfield? Michael Carrington. Because she's superficial and she likes a bloke with a bike. Ugh. What's this? What's this? What's this fucking code thing that they've bought all of a sudden? T-bird can only go with a pink lady. A pink lady can only go with a T-bird. I mean, that's. Oh, I don't fucking like this film. It's stupid. Oh no, she lit a cigarette from the Cool Rider guy, who you can totally tell is, yeah, he's not wearing a face covering or anything like that, it's an open face helmet, all he's got is sunglasses on, in the middle of the dark, or goggles. How can you not tell who he is? This is stupid. Stupid, I tell you. 
fucking hell. What? Jesus Christ, this film is just so fucking hoardy on Main Street. It's ridiculous. So we've got a T-Bird and we've got a pink lady. They've gone into this nuclear fallout shelter. The guy's locked her in. And he's playing a trick on her. And because somehow they've got their hands on an air raid siren. Because reasons. And now they're doing an air raid siren while they're in a nuclear bunker. And basically he's singing... Um, he's basically singing... We shouldn't die virgins, we should have sex, and we should do it for America. We should do it for America. Fuck's sake. We'd be doing it for the Statue of Liberty. For Disneyland. No! Let's do it fuck's sake. Jesus Christ! This film's a PG. This film in the UK is rated parental guidance. There may be some scenes that are not appropriate for children. So far, none of this film has been appropriate for children. Because it's fucking horny on mains. Jesus Christ, I can't fucking get over this. Jesus Christ. A whole song about trying to trick a girl into having sex with him. <sighs> Problematic? I would say yes. The thing is, right, with this, about her being in love with the motorcycle guy, and this feels about... Because we're supposed to be set in the 60s, right? This feels about 10 years too early. If it was set kind of... Like in the 70s? You could kind of leech off it and you could... Kind of tie it in with... Um, like Easy Rider and stuff like that. I know this is clearly going for uh, James Dean, Rebel Without a Cause and that kind of thing. Which is... Clearly what they're trying to hark to with the motorbike with the flames on and obviously with the guy with the motorbike being a bad boy and stuff like that. You know, I just feel like they could have easily kind of tied into that easy rider kind of thing and Americana kind of that way about it, you know? <laughs> Fuck off. The T-Bird singing a song going, we're, we're going to go prowling, we're going to go get, we're going to go do a sex. And they're like, yeah, the place to go where we're guaranteed to get laid is in the grocery store. <laughs> Fuck off with this. Come on. Jesus Christ. Seriously, I can feel, like, the spunk dripping off the screen from here. You know? I fucking hate this. 
I hate this so much. How can they say that this is a feminist film as well? Alright, um, you had the line or two where Michelle Pfeiffer's character, uh, Stephanie, was like, yeah, I kiss who I want, I do what I want. Uh, I don't want to do anything. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. All right. She's got her own agency over her own lo love life and stuff like that. Fine. But then you get literal scenes like the bit before where the guy was trying to essentially trick her into sex, and then you've got this shit here, where the T-birds are going fucking, quote unquote, prowling because it's all happening at fucking Tesco's down the road. Oh, oh boy. You know, and just... Oh, I don't know. Oh, anymore. Right. We're at the talent show that's been hinted at all the way through the film because the grand prize is... What, a hundred albums? Long playing records or something? hundred albums. Anyway, yet again, it's a case of this talent show has got far too much budget because everything in the... They've got such a choreographed set with four, like, arches to walk through because they're doing a calendar girls and all the girls of the season stuff. And I'm absolutely sick and fed up of hearing this song because this song is they've they've practiced it throughout the film like three, four times. I'm fucking sick of it, you know. I don't know anymore. I'm just really bored of it. I don't know. How am I finding it overall, though? I think it's really boring. I mean, the performances are fine. They're over the top. They're hyped. I really don't see any reason why there should be a T-Birds or a fucking Pink Ladies, aside from the fact it's called Grease. Frenchie from the original film is in it, but she's like, context dump, explaining how everything works in, in the film, why everything's happening. Um... I don't know. It's just really boring. So did that song happen? Or was that all in her head? Was she singing the, the other song? I don't understand what no, hold on, she's... She's won it. For that song, presumably. So I don't understand whether that's just happened or not. If it was all in her head, then she wouldn't have won the whole contest. And... Oh, I... Don't know. This film is just 
It doesn't feel fully expanded. It's like they've got a load of set scenes. Well, understandably, it's not because um, because the script obviously wasn't finished when they went on to fucking. What the fuck is this shit? Jesus Christ. It's like they're trying to do the end of the first Grease. Fucking hell. Ramala 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 Chang chang changity changity changy bop. Doop dubby 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 do. Just just sing a load of random nonsense. Ugh, I can't wait for this to be finished, honestly. There's been a couple of good bits, but mostly it's just been really not very good. I was kind of hoping it was going to be like an underrated classic, but this is... It is what it is. It's just a cash grab, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's a cash grab by the studio to make more money. And yet we're getting more cash grabs because Paramount Plus are doing a Pink Ladies fucking and T-Bird's prequel series because that's always a good idea you know must must we have these things can we not just have a one and done and just be happy it happened you know I mean I don't know what I'd do for a sequel but it certainly wouldn't be this I suppose the only logical thing to do would be to follow the characters from the original film and do like a reunion film but even then that just feels too unnecessary and you know I don't know, I'm very tired it's just I'm tired now Sorry, they're not called they're not called the scorpions in there, sorry. So it is, we've got the fucking Luau thing shit. Um so the Scorpions aren't called the Scorpions, I've just read the back of the jackets. They're called the fucking Cycle Lords. <laughs> Which is a terrible name for a biker gang. The Cycle Lords <laughs> It's not quite the same kind of Badassery as like the scorpions or fucking T birds or whatever. The fucking cycle lords. It's terrible. What a terrible name. It suddenly dawned on me right now during this ending sequence here of I'm assuming it's called We'll Be Together or something. But half of the cast cannot fucking sing. Right, so here's the thing. If you cast them for a musical, right? You either cast the look, which they probably have done, to be fair. Or you cast for singing voice. And if you cast for looks, you dub them over with someone who can sing, right? Or you give them proper singing lessons for more than, like two weeks or whatever so they can actually sing competently because there's a lot of um, 
flat notes that I can hear and a couple of sharp notes here and there. It's... Oh, oh, it, it doesn't help. And I thought, you know, the epitome of bad singing in a musical film was fucking Pierce Brosnan in uh, Mamma Mia. Because he is atrocious in that. Oh, 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 here we go, here we go. I spoke too soon. It's people doing freeze frames. Yeah! Freeze frames. Freeze frames and a sign it. Oh. And it's done. It's finished. Um, and now we've got lots of um. God, they were really pushing for the music, weren't they? Because we've got who it's written by and who's it, who's its like lyrics and music who it's by. Also, the reason that the first song slaps so hard is because the vocals are by the four tops, and it's the only reason I can vaguely recall it. And it's this song here in in the background. Anyway, um, I am probably going to need a few minutes, to be honest, to really process this because this was a that that's a film. But certainly happened. Yeah. I'll see you in a few, folks. Greece 2. What did I think of it? Well, here's the thing. This film is not good. At all. It's not even bad. It's just entirely forgettable. While it starts off strong, it soon descends into a retreading of the same ground that the original did. You've got two rival groups, a boy and a girl fall in love but can't be with each other because of social conventions, and they try to win the hearts of each other. There's also a rival gang, because of course there is. Oh, those darn cycle lords. When will they learn that their actions have consequences, those frickin' fricks? They all do a song and a dance, and everyone lives happily ever after. Enough said. Moving on, the cast do a fine job with the material they've been given. It's not great material. In fact, it's rather horny. I cannot emphasise how much this film is obsessed with humans doing the ugly squishy dance in the nude. Our side characters talk about it, there's literal entire songs about it, even the dancing itself is horny or mainstream. I don't normally have a problem with that. What I do have a problem is is with the fact that the previous film didn't dedicate as much time to the old in-out, in-out as this film does. Sure, you had the oft reference here and there, like in reference to, I quote, Ernest Juggs, and hinting at teen pregnancy, and even in the song, Look at Me, I'm Sandra D, where, you know, they want to do stuff to uh, Troy Donahue. In Greece 2, however, you get a song about reproduction, which is just the worst thing I've ever heard. I mean, it's ear-gougingly bad. You've got a song about doing it for America, because there's a fake nuclear war happening outside of a nuclear war bunker. 
you've got the bowling song talking about wanting to score. I can't handle all the sexy things. Come on! Actually, no, don't don't do that. Some poor sod's going to need to clean that up. Poor Edith Condo. She's back as Frenchie, and is she even needed? Nope. She's just there as a way of trying to explain the really clunky plot to the audience. What's even worse than that? That she literally disappears halfway through the film. Where does she go? Did she finally blow herself up in chemistry class trying to make beauty products? Who knows, but I hope she's okay wherever she is. Oh, while we're at it, I will say our new T-Birds are sex pests, alright? I said it. While the original bunch come off as naughty schoolboys, here they are bonafide creeps that are massively unlikable, and as a result, I felt no affinity for them. Same with the new pink ladies. They're all massively unlikable, whereas the original bunch of characters had some shining characters coming through that were all different. Here, they're all the same. There's no real standouts. Well, maybe Michelle Pfeiffer, but that's because she's the lead and she's been given stuff to do. Not a lot, mind you, but it's something nonetheless. The unfinished script really shows. Why is there even a new pink ladies and T-Birds in these films? Their older counterparts have gone off to wherever. Why, why are the new generation doing it? I don't understand. However, I think the film's main issue is the music. The songs are just not memorable. In my commentary, I made the point that they're all pretty flat. In this immediate aftermath of watching Grease 2, I'm struggling to think of a single song, lyrics, music, names, just anything, and I've literally got nothing. Except that reproduction song, because honestly, it's the single worst thing I've ever heard. With the original film, you've got bonafide hits like Summer Loving, Grease Lightning, and You're the One That I Want, which have ingrained themselves into pop culture, selling hundreds upon thousands of records and countless references in other media. With Grease 2, I'm drawing a blank. I mean, maybe Cool Rider? Don't ask me how it goes, because it's so unmemorable, and the only real thing about it is it's basically Michelle Pfeiffer's character being so superficial that she wants a bloke with a bike. Hang on, wait a minute. I'm a bloke with a bike. Does that mean I could hook up with Michelle Pfeiffer? Nah, nah, it's just, nah. Oh, as for that feminist commentary, I can't see it. Yes, Stephanie Zinoni has some agency in this, in that she says something along the lines of, I just don't want to go with any guy, and I can kiss who I want. That's literally about it. I can't see anything else about how it can lend itself towards this kind of narrative aside from that. Says, you know, the cisgender white man who's clearly authority on these kind of subjects. Overall, Grease 2 is a film that certainly exists. Is it good? Meh. Was it needed? No. Is it a cash grab? Yeah. Almost certainly. Is it a cash grab? Yeah. Almost certainly. What we have here is a thinly veiled attempt at trying to cash in on one of Hollywood's most famous musicals and trying to beat the dead horse for more cash. The songs are forgettable, the story is flaccid, and it's entirely unneeded by the general population, despite its more cult status in recent years. If you had to ask me, how do you do a sequel to Grease? It's really, really simple. You just don't. Thanks so much for listening. 
Do you agree? Disagree? Are you a T-Bird or are you more of a pink lady? Why don't you get in contact with us? We're over on Twitter as at anyone podcast. We're also on Facebook. Just search for us. You will find us. Longer rants, rambles, considerations can be sent via email to anyoneforseconds at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave us a like, rate and review on your podcast platform of choice as it helps us grow the podcast and we can reach more ears. Now, I've talked about it enough in this episode, so I think this time what we're going to leave you with is that bloody reproduction song. Seriously, you need to hear it to believe it. Thanks again. Stay safe. You got this. The parts of a flower are so constructed that very, very often the wind will cause pollination. If not, then a bee or any other nectar-gathering creature can create the same situation. Yes, anything that gets the pollen to the pistols right on the list. I'll try to make it crystal clear. The flower's insatiable passion turns its life into a circus of debauchery. How the stamen gets its lusty dust onto the stigma And why this frenzied chlorophyllous orgy starchy spring is no enigma We call this quest for satisfaction of what class? A photoperiodic reaction Oh, that's good. Oh, that's very good. Hey, I'm lost. Where are we? Chapter 2. Page 5. Reproduction. your pistol right here.